Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 8.30 service on this, the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, a lot of you are in the room, many more joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. Some of you are visiting with us. We're really honored that you've come. And we hope you'll come back and leave us some contact information so we can reach out and connect with you this week. My name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. Good morning. It is good to be together as this is the first Sunday in Lent. We hope that you'll take the opportunity to plug into a small group and check out all the different offerings that we have that are Lent related. Wanted to highlight this week, we have two special events happening. On Wednesday, we have our very own Dr. Hugh Floyd leading the Bible and music. Um, that's at 11 and seven. Check me on my times. Okay, 11 and seven on Wednesday. We hope you'll check that out. I know it will be a beautiful time. And then on Thursday, our congregational care department is hosting a special program on ending well. Um, I might not sound like the most uplifting topic, but it is a good thing to think of and especially in the company of good friends. So I hope that you'll take advantage of those opportunities this week. Friends, let us prepare our hearts for worship.
of God, let us now join our voices together as we confess our faith through the Apostles' Creed as found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. you are invited me invited with me to join in the prayer of confession as found in your bulletin our minds and hearts are consumed by busyness and brokenness pride and rancor shout loudly in our lives we want to see as you see to see ourselves as vessels of your love to see and be kind to others we want to hear as you hear listening to the least of these, those wounded, debated, blamed, and left out. Free us from all bondage, free enough to be reconciled to you and with others. Consume our hearts and minds by your grace. Friends, here in this moment, we can be still and we can hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to God. God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Gospel reading is Mark, chapter 1, beginning in the ninth verse. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we came out of, out of the water. Immediately, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. So we just heard the opening moment of Jesus' uh, short, magnificent, world-changing, controversial ministry. Jesus came into the world to reconcile us to God and to reconcile people to one another. 
Uh, I love uh, the way Barbara Brown Taylor thought of it, is that uh, God was in heaven and God was observing people on earth, and there was just so much tension and hatred, and people had such difficulty getting along. Uh, and God noticed that the one exception to this was with babies. You know, again, people aren't typically mean to babies. They can be gentle when there's a baby. So God had this brilliant idea and shared it uh, with the cabinet of archangels and said, I think I'll become a baby. Maybe that will be how to reach the people. And the cabinet of archangels thought, they saw it, that it was a stroke of genius. But they said, we, we'd rather you not. We'd worry about you. Uh, there are no safety measures down there. You know what people are like. Uh, we're not sure you should do it, but they saw that uh, God was dead set on doing such a thing, so they broke into applause, and then uh, God began to shed his divine robes, and uh, his midnight blue mantle fell to the floor, and the floor dissolved, collapsing into a heap, and then there was revealed, you know, a sort of constellation of stars, and then they looked down to the earth, and they saw their scrubby pasture speckled with sheep. Then they heard the cry in the distance of a baby. I love that. God taking that risk of birth. I mean, people down here, people, human beings, they, they can be hard. We have a callous kind of resistance to God, and it turned out that when Jesus came and was the love of God, was the mercy of God, they decided they would rather kill him than to discover their hidden, long-sought-after joy. Uh, what we have down here, we have complicated relationships, don't we? They're all complicated. Um, I spent time with a friend yesterday, told me more about his marriage than he ever had. Man, is his marriage complicated, right? That's a thing. I did a class recently on marriages in the Bible. I actually started with a story that a uh, fellow pastor sent me. He saw I was doing a class on marriage, and he said, um, you know, my wife and I have been married, I forget how many years, 40-something years. We discovered that the secret of marriage was a vow that we made when we got married. We vowed that every day, every week, we would set apart one day for something fun. We'd go dancing, we'd uh, play putt-putt, we'd go get ice cream, something. But one day every week, we would do something fun. Uh, she goes on Tuesday, I go on Wednesdays. <laughs> There's so much snarky humor about marriage, which says that it's complicated. When I finished my class on marriage, someone came to me afterwards and said, why didn't you talk about the happy marriages in the Bible? And I said, there aren't any. They're all weird and quirky. And, and why is that? Why does God tell us this? Is it the reason when my kids were growing up, I thought a very helpful thing that I could do for them is I would tell them the dumb stuff that I had done when I was an adolescent. Two of them thought, thanks for warning us, Dad. The third one thought, that sounds like fun. <laughs> it's a part of the divine mercy is that God showing us that relationships just are hard and get complicated. It happens not just in marriages, but in friendships, right? You have a close friend, and then they turn on you politically one day, and you, it's just so odd. What do you do? We have a complicated, you have a complicated relationship with yourself, don't you? You don't have to nod, but I know this is true about you. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you think, wow, I really dig what I see there? I heard a sound. <laughs> Is it that, or do you cringe a little, or do you avert your gaze, or do you think, I need to work out more, or you know, what, what do you think? When you see yourself in the mirror, I love the song from the musical Waitress. Where after she's been married for a while and has lost her way, she says, I'm not the girl that I used to be. Are you the person that you used to be? Uh, Uyun Kim, in his uh, fine Ash Wednesday sermon, I love this. He uh, said these ashes, we're about to put ashes on people's head. He said, these are a gentle whisper that says, it's not about you. Repent and believe in the gospel is a strong rebuke to our tendency toward guarding our own image rather than growing in the image of God. Like, do you have a complicated relationship uh, with yourself? We have a complicated relationship with money, don't we? And the church seeks to relieve you of this by passing an offering plate, of course. For us, money it becomes, what is it? it it's status. It's my literal worth. It, it becomes kind of an albatross. I've got to make all these decisions about money. I envy other people's money. All that stuff goes on. We have a complicated relationship, most of us do, with the world. 
the news comes on, like, turn it off, I don't want to avert my gaze from that, or, or you get involved in it, and then it's just so depressing, and, you know, you try to make a difference in the world, and that can be hard. It's also hard. Even have a complicated relationship with God, don't we? I think Jesus came to try to help us with our complicated relationship with God, but sometimes it's complicated because we misunderstand what God wants. I have a niece named Katie, and uh, what she does for a living is search and rescue. So she used to do it in Yosemite in the wintertime. People go hiking around Yosemite in the wintertime, and they can't get out, and they're going to die, and she would search and rescue them. Now she's doing it, doing it in Antarctica. I mean, what a cool life she has. But we think God's kind of like, you're in trouble, and God, oh, search and rescue, come help you when you're in trouble. Or we think that God is kind of a mild-mannered doler out of nice little presents. Here, have another little present when God wants to be something very different. All of these complicated relationships, and we could name many more, are in fact our sin. They are in fact our fallenness. They are our brokenness. They are the mess that we find ourselves in. Had a great conversation, well attended a couple weeks ago with uh, the inimitable Kate Bowler. And uh, we're reading a book by Kate together. Hope you're tracking this along during uh, Lent. And in one of her episodes in that book, she talks about uh, there's a reason that there's so many uh, self-help books. There's a reason there, there's so many books about habit formation because, as she says, habits are very hard to break. Habits are very hard to form, actually. She talks about even habits that we don't like in ourselves, bitterness or gossip or condescension or temporary. <laughs> Here's what she writes, I, I actually cherish my addictions to these things as friends. Oh, Lord, please expose my great comfort with my favorite sins. Sustain my hope in your transforming love. And I love this line. Please convince me that you are dead certain that I'm capable of allowing you to save me from myself. I think I've been praying that over and over so far in Lent. Please convince me that you are dead certain that I'm capable of allowing you to save me from myself. Lent. Lent began on Wednesday. Coolest thing happened, by the way. Uh, it was also Valentine's Day, so we're trying to, like, you know, bridge that gap. So we had the 7 o'clock service here, and then Lisa and I dashed across the street to Volo. And uh, the table, they said, your table will be, I had a reservation, your table will be ready in 30 minutes. I immediately lost my holy intentions <laughs> from the Ash Wednesday service with this, so I, I will just sit at the bar. So we sat at the bar, and the bartender's helping us, and he noticed the ashes on Lisa's head, and he reached over, and he touched her head and got ashes and put them on his own head. It was so cool. It was so cool. Lent. It's a focused uh, season for us. It's time of testing. It's time to shed false props that we use to hold us up in life. I always say it's a time to shut off gadgets. I think that's a good idea. Can you shut off your gadgets for a while? People live for centuries without them. What's harder than shutting off your gadget, which is hard enough, is shutting off the voices in your head or the shouts of the world that give us all kinds of destructive messages. Brian Stevenson, uh, the great lawyer who uh, finds people on death row who are wrongly convicted, what great work he does. He says his most famous quote is, I believe that each person is more than the worst thing they have ever done. Like, thanks be to God. Sometimes you hear the worst thing that somebody did and you think, oh, that's a terrible person. But he's right, each person is more than the worst thing that they have ever done. Sometimes it's hard to get there with ourselves harder than with other people. You think about the worst thing, things that you've ever done, and they begin to define you. Here's another thing Kate Bowler writes in another episode of her book. Lord, I've spent so much time imagining my worst qualities that it's difficult to imagine. You've numbered the hairs on my head. You painted my eyes this color. You soften at the sound of my voice. You, I love this. You are not the bathroom scale or a work evaluation. You are not my ex-partner or my ex-friend. 
You know the very best of me. You are my cheerleader and champion, my memory keeper and favorite friend. Flood me with love because of who I am, who I've become, who you made me to be. The world is loud, O oh God. Only you can convince me of how embarrassingly lovable I can be. Quiet the shame and doubts and self-hatred. I'm ready to feel love again. I love the story that begins Lent. Jesus goes in the wilderness for the 40 days, but before he does, God says to him very clearly as he rises up out of the waters of baptism, you are my beloved. God wasn't just saying that to Jesus. God says that through Scripture to each one of us. Don't think it's good he, James is saying that to the other guy. You are God's beloved. You are God's beloved. The world will say you're a consumer, you're a producer, you're a lover, you're a player, you're a failure, you're an escape artist, you're unhappy, whatever it is that the world will say, but God is constantly saying, if we can hear it, you, you are my beloved. And in closing, that raised some questions about what kind of church are we going to be. I uh, take people on tours of our new building. That's always great, and we'll be in it soon. And people take a tour of the building, they look, and they, no one's been underwhelmed, right? No one says, yeah, it's about what I expected. People look at the building, and they say, wow. And then on good days, they start talking about what are the possibilities of what can happen in this building. None of it will matter if we're not a church that says to everyone, you are God's beloved. And that's not... You, the long-standing members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, are God's beloved. It's whoever might wander in. It's whoever might never wander in. We're the kind of church that says, you, yes, you, we are God's beloved. I repeat to you a thing. I've said it a bunch of times. We've got to keep it drilled into our heads, at least as long as I'm pastor here. Here's what my dream of church is. There are a lot of churches right now that uh, they've made a huge mistake. Uh, they decided that uh, we're supposed to be the moral police of the world, that we're here to tell everybody else what's right and wrong, especially what's right and wrong with you guys out there. And it's a category mistake. That's not what God asked the church to do. And the fact is not one person out there is waiting for us to tell them what's right and wrong. And in fact, when we try to tell them what's right and wrong, they say, church is so hypocritical and judgmental and they'll never come in here. <laughs> We're here the word of God's grace. My better image is the TV documentary Lisa and I saw called Finding Harmony. David Brown's choral conductor. Choral conductors are the hope of the world. And um, he goes to... Uh, Springfield, Ohio, and he starts uh, putting up flyers everywhere and handing them out to everybody that passes. He says, come and sing with us Thursday night at 7. And people come, and some are rich and so poor, and some are white and some are black, and some are conservative and some are liberal. Just all kinds of people come, and they start singing together, and they love singing together, and then he gets them to talking to each other, and they hear stories of people they would not normally hear. They listen. They're changed. That's church. We say, come sing with us. Come tell your story. We'll listen. <laughs> We're interested. Why? You are God's beloved. And we are too. And it's such a joy to be together. You are God's beloved. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God in prayer. Spirit of the living God, we gather in this space on this day as your people to worship you. We are here because you call us your own, and we are here because you invite us to be present. We are here because we seek to grow in love with you and grow in love with our neighbors. So help us, guide us, and empower us so that we may live into the fullness of the family that you call us to be. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Some of us come to give thanksgiving. Some of us see all too clearly your guiding ways and your peace-filled presence in our lives. 
Some of us feel your everlasting love so clearly. And some of us gather today because we are in desperate need to know you are here. Some of us are searching for a glimmer of hope and seeking guidance and, and needing direction for our lives. Some of us do not know where to turn and who to turn to. For all gather this day, no matter what the reason, may we encounter your presence. May your church be an instrument that points the way towards you. May we be the embodiment of your good news to all those who seek. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We are constantly tempted to see the world and see our lives through a distorted lens. We are tempted to resign ourselves toward the violence to the unknown, to other our neighbors, to despair for the way things are. So may your church be the bridge to lead your people from these places of wanting toward the places of goodness and abundance. May we be the bridge that leads people from the way things are toward the place where things will ultimately be, where your will be done here on earth as it already is in heaven. So we pray the prayer together as a family of God in one voice that Jesus taught his disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As always, as the ushers come forward, this is an opportunity for us to give thanks for your continuous generosity and the ongoing goodness of our God through the ministry of our church. Later on, 11 o'clock service, we'll have three confirmants will be baptized. Friends, every year we are able to confirm anywhere from 80 to 100 eighth graders who go through a year-long process of being disciples uh, to being taught in the ways of Jesus. For this, we give thanks and so many other ministries that we're able to do as a family of God. Let us receive our morning tithes and offering with great thanksgiving.
Lord, it is with thanksgiving we offer these gifts to you. May these offerings become a source for hope for those who are in need in our church family and in the community beyond us. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As we continue our journey here through Lent as a family of God, may you be transformed in your discipleship. May God transform God's church as we journey onward together. As we receive the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, let all God's people say amen. amen. 